Welcome everyone to another edition of Jams Radio. We finally have some girl power with us today in the incredible Stacey Hart, the brave Jewess um, who went on Bake Off in 2017. And she's here with us today after a wonderful picnic with her family. We can all quiz her on what she actually packed um, on that picnic. And we've also got Lottie from Aldenham School in London, who is going to be conducting this interview with Stacey. Thank you for joining us, Lottie. Okay, so just generally, just a general question to start off with, is that when did you first realise that you wanted to bake, you were interested in baking? Well, I first realised I wanted to bake in... 1997, I remember it was 1997 because my friends bought me the Mary Berry cookbook for my birthday. I was at university and uh, I made a lot of stuff from that book um, and it's still on my shelf today and I do use it sometimes today, uh, but it's got all the basics in there. So I made everything for the girls at university. So that was an unaltruistic present. So they bought it for you because they wanted you to bake for them. <laughs> I think I, I've got no idea why they put it for me. I must have maybe, I, and I suppose in those days, I never printed any recipes off the computer because we didn't have any computers. So I'm not entirely mm. sure how, yeah, I, I don't really, I can't remember the reason why they bought it for me other than the fact that I liked to be, I, I, I fancied making something probably one day. And it came <laughs> from that. So uh, next question is, did you grow up uh, surrounded by a lot of Jewish culture and did this inspire any of your recipes? Well, you know, we've always been very traditional Jews. We're not, we, you know, we always have Friday night dinner at grandma and she was an amazing baker and cook. And um, sometimes I'd go there early and I'd help her out with the dessert. And definitely a couple of the things that she did, I, I do now. Um, oh, she made a great bread and, bread and butter pudding and an apple cakey thing with custard on it. Um, and we used to cook together. So yeah, Friday night dinner was the main thing and obviously the, the main festivals. So what is your favourite Jewish festival? My favourite Jewish festival is any festival that has yummy food. So there are some that I'm not so keen on, ones where you can't eat anything, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the one where you can't eat anything, I do dread that one. Um, I like, I very much like Rosh Hashanah because it means usually, other than this year, being my family, you know, is really, really nice. I don't know whether we'll be able to be together this year. Hopefully we will. I was part of a, a multicultural event once for foster carers and I was asked to like, so describe religion. As I thought about it, I thought, well, hang on a minute. So Easter, and you get the Christians making Easter bonnets. We want to celebrate with a hat, we get Purim. We find a pastry rather than making a bonnet. We load it with more calories. We sprinkle more sugar on top. And, and that's just us. Every single thing we do, even fasting, just has a correlation with food because everybody will have one food they want to break their fast on. And then you'll talk about that food for the entire 24-hour fast. My father, my father has always done something really weird. So when he brings in the fast with um, scrambled eggs, for some reason, he has to have eggs on toast. Doesn't want any big meal. Doesn't want the chicken that makes him thirsty. He's incredibly religious. I'm your poor my dad. Um, it will sit in shawl from start to finish and just not move. Um, or obviously he'll go home and then come back, but you know what I mean. Um, and then breaking the fast, it's always a piece of challah with butter and a cup of tea. That's it. Uh, we've always done that. Traditionally, we've always done that. But James, my husband, he's not into the whole eggs on toast of a breaking the fast in at all. He wants a proper full-on meal. So it's quite annoying for me now. 
bringing yeah. in a fast. It's all about lots of carb loading and lots and lots of water. And then I dread it. I dread it for about six months. Six, I, I dread it for about six months prior to it. To be honest, it's my I really do not enjoy it at all. So I've got to be honest. I'm not. I don't like fasting. I do. <laughs> don't like it. A good choice in every sense of the world. In every sense of the word, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So you mentioned that your least favorite, well, the least preferred festivals are the ones where you can't really cook or you're limited in your cooking. Do you have, during Passover, do you have any yeast substitutes for your recipes? Any ideas that uh, can be substituted for that? Are we talking about Passover? It's funny, actually. I, have, I often have, um, I've been having some email communication with my rabbi about that because I was saying, can I have this and can I have that? And if you think about it, when the book was written and when all laws were written, they didn't have this. So they got it now. So surely I can have, I think we were talking about, oh, what were we talking about? Chia and flax seeds and things like that. And we were having whole conversations about that. But no, not really. I just do, at Passover, I just do the traditional stuff, you know, the cinnamon balls and all that kind of stuff. I don't, um, and I'm talking about the right festival here, aren't I? <laughs> but no, I don't, I don't get busy with changing yeast. I, I do like my yeast. Yeast when you need yeast to be perfectly honest. Having said that, having said that, that's not entirely true. I can do a cheesecake with, a, I do cheesecake with um, mozza, with a mozza base for Passover. So that's, that is changing things up a little bit, I suppose. Um, that sounds but, amazing. But yeast, you know, before this coronavirus business, I uh, went out and stocked up on yeast because I knew that's the one thing that if I didn't have, I'd be miserable. Going back to the topic of coronavirus, during this time where everyone's worried about, you know, catching it and keeping immune systems high, the old wives' tale of chicken soup. Do you have any special chicken soup recipes? Because every family has their own secrets. Ah, I have a very good one. That is very secret. <laughs> everyone thinks that chicken soup is the best. Um, do you know, can I just say that people don't, like my friends don't like having me over for dinner because they feel, they, they, and it upsets me. They don't like having me over for dinner because it's the exact reason. Because they're like, well, you you cook and I, you know, I don't want to have... Anyway, and usually the stuff's very, very good. So last time I had a dinner party, I got takeaway because I felt bad that every time I... Well, first of all, it takes me a week to prepare for a dinner party because everything I do. But I decided to get a takeaway and they came over and they were shocked. And not very happy either with me. Anyway, um, coronavirus, chicken soup. Uh, I made a batch just right at the beginning because I was absolutely panicking that everyone was going to get sick. And I just thought, we have to have a really yummy chicken soup. And I'm going to get it. I'm going to freeze it and whatever. But no, we never froze it. We just ate the whole thing. Um, my chicken soup, listen, I can't, there's nothing particular I can tell you about my chicken soup other than it is definitely the best. <laughs> Very Jewish. Has it got matzo balls? Do you know what? I, there's an there's a author called Tori, I think Tori Avery. Have you heard of her? Yes. Her big matzo balls are insane. If you want to make, they are unbelievable. They are probably about, the ones I made, about 10 cent. they were like huge, about 10 centimetres. They were Fill the bowl. absolutely awesome. So if you want to do multiples, have a look at her recipe, it's very, very good. The answer is yes, but not always because they're very bad for you. So because it's uh, Shavuot this week, I was just wondering what are your favourite or easiest cheesecake recipes? Well, my, be my best and only cheesecake that I do at the moment are sugar-free ones, which you would absolutely never know were sugar-free. So I do an awesome vanilla New York cheesecake and a lemon New York cheesecake. And I also, and the FAEs, well, you're going to have a no-bake, but the no-bake doesn't taste like a, it's not the same, but it's easy. 
No baked cheesecake's easy. But New York cheesecake's awesome. What's the trick with a baked cheesecake? Okay, well, the trick with a baked cheesecake is to foil, foil, well, keep, keep the heat in and all that. You foil around the, uh, I, I don't use a water bath. You know how some people bake their cheesecakes with a water bath? And then they put it into water. I don't, but I do foil, put foil, double double foil around my tin, and I and a low temperature, and then make sure you keep it in the oven, cooling in the oven. Yeah, I just did. Mine's just out, and I, I used the bain marie, uh, the water bath, um, and the foil as well, and it just it's perfect. You have, you, on, you know, you go through facebook sometimes it does make me laugh and you see people and I, I often wonder if like i'm a secret troll because you see people posting things and you're like you didn't just post that that doesn't look like a color that looks like something out of i don't know what jurassic park you shouldn't have posted that you need to google how to plat uh, or something like that and at the moment on all the recipe groups there's all these cheesecakes with great big cracks in and people saying how do you stop it <laughs> like research it before you bake it what is your secret to the perfect challah so that it doesn't crack or you get the perfect plat? Well, my challah doesn't crack so much, but plat-wise, I think I don't try to be too clever with my challah. Um, I can do, you know, five braids, six braids, all the braids. But to be honest, a simple three-braid challah can just look as beautiful as if you do a five-braid or a six-braid. So I don't think you need to be smart with it. Just get a three-braid, make it pretty, boom, that's number one. Number two... I usually would make my mix and keep it overnight in the fridge. That makes for a better, you know, stronger, beautiful flavor. It lets all the flavors just combine. It's a better way of doing it. And actually, it means it's all ready in the morning to start. So you make the mix, you make your holiday dough, and you put it in the fridge overnight, and then you bring it out, bring it to room temperature and carry on. So did you feel as a Jewess, holler-making Jewess, that you had the upper hand on bread week? Well, I, bread week annoyed me actually. And it annoyed me because I'm out of all the people in there, but that weren't that other than Stephen, my years, a guy called Stephen's amazing, amazing, amazing cakes and bread. No one else is really into bread, but I am mega into bread. And I tried to be too clever and trying to be too clever was my problem pretty much the whole way through it. Cause not trying to be too clever, but trying to do too much. Yeah. So what I should have done is something for, cause I, I thought I, they don't tell you what everyone else is doing. They give you a brief, and then you have to just do it. And you can't ask questions. And if you ask questions, they're not going to give you the answers because it's your interpretation of what they tell you to do. So they said you had to do a bread sculpture, okay? A bread sculpture with two, at least two different types of dough, colored dough, using only natural coloring or something. So basically you couldn't make it out of, you know, an essence or whatever. So I was very silly and I, I, I kick myself even now, you know, three years later, about a couple of weeks, that week and the last week, because my, my, I made a bread hat and it tasted vile. The only good thing about it was the, was the holler bit around the outside. And it was vile because I tried to be too clever. What I should have done was a chocolate holler and a plain holler and made, and other people, other people there were just, I thought you had to make a sculpture that was all attached but apparently you didn't. There was other people that made like a mushroom and next to the mushroom is a snail. Does that make sense? And I did this ascot hat with all breadsticks sticking out of it and all this stuff. And I kind of was like, oh, I kicked myself when I saw what everyone else was doing. I should have just done what I knew I was good at. And I had about four or five different doughs and you only needed to do. So yeah, it was silly of me, really. But as overachiever, 
Yeah, basically. But I won the technical that week because no one else had done a cottage loaf before and I had. So I was lucky because I'd done Paul's, it was one of Paul's recipes and I'd already done it. And I was the only one that knew what it was. Brilliant. So was a result. Yeah, but I was annoyed at myself and I kicked myself. I wake up in the night sometimes angry. <laughs> I haven't got over it, I'm telling you. Did you go on Israel tour? I did not. I went on a, my own Israel tour, but I did not go on an Israel tour. No, I don't know why. I just didn't really fancy it. My sister did. She went. I went with my best friend to Israel and we toured it ourselves. Oh, nice. Uh, but we were a bit older. We were much older, actually. We were 16 when you go on tour, mind you. So, no, I think I went when I was about... 80 maybe so we were older and did all the staying in the youth hostels and getting on dodgy buses to places where you hope you're going to end up where they say you're going to end up um but it was very we had a great time we were there for a month and just had a great time yeah and do you do you wish that you had gone with the youth movement do you want your kids to go with the youth movement i'm very happy for my children to do whatever they choose uh but no, to be honest, I don't, I don't regret anything. I, I don't regret it at all, no. As I've seen it, and I've, I've been there and I've done it. No, I've been there a couple of times. Um, and also the children, they might decide to go, yes. The thing is, we go to America most summers. So Max is doing an American tour this year uh, with a group. So. And is that still going ahead? We don't know yet. They haven't cancelled it yet. And we've still got our flight book, so I'm not cancelling it yet. No, you might you might actually be lucky. It's just our flight booked. Our flight's booked for the twenty first of July, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It's quite far, isn't it? So Lottie was sent questions by lots of students at Oldenham, boys and girls who are interested in baking. And um, do you, so. My mum, Stacey, refused to ever let us buy her an apron that had a male chef on it. Really? She what? felt in well in the eighties, all the chefs had like the French hats on and moustache. That that was what it looked like. You didn't often, unless it was an inappropriate apron, um, have a chef on um, that wasn't male. And she had this thing, and this is ridiculous. So I just wondered, do you, did you feel as though you were doing something empowering for a woman joining the Bake Off? No, I don't think particularly. No, I've, I there were there were so many of there were loads of women on the Bake Off anyway. No, I didn't feel that. I felt like I was doing something empowering for me. And that was. And did it take over your life a bit in the time that you were doing it? You're kidding me. My children didn't know. My children thought I was on a cooking course. They thought I was doing a cooking course for the weekends. Um, I baked every... I practiced every minute God sent. I, was a, I wasn't really a, around for them at all. I was just cooking all the time. Eat, they were all eating loads of stuff. They couldn't understand what was going on. But I, they, they sussed it, I think, towards the end. But we, I thought I'd be in for maybe one week, two weeks. <laughs> to be honest. And then it was getting difficult. I mean, it was like nine weeks of going up. I mean, every single week I'm going up again. I felt brilliant doing it. It was amazing. Getting in the car and just going and doing something for me was in just amazing. And we got on so well. We had, it was really tough to keep it for my kids. But I signed a, you sign a thing, an NDA. I told my children the whole of North London would have known within five minutes, wouldn't they? That tent looks hot. I love baking, and um, I'd like to think I'm fairly accomplished at baking, but I could not cope in that heat. How hot is it really in there? Well, I took my um, my sugar thermometer and measured the tent. At one point, it was 40 degrees in there. Mm. I cannot begin to tell you, we had the hottest summer ever, hotter summer ever. They took the sides up on the tent, but it made absolutely no difference because it was still. They let you have a fan, but they don't need to put it on the top. You have to put it by your feet. A tiny mini fan on your feet. 
There was nothing. We were red. We were sweating. I was watching the people in front of me with their sweat dripping down their back. It was disgusting. This one particular time, they had an infestation of flies. One, one week. I think it was week eight. Yeah, yeah it was week eight because I remember I was doing macaron. And they come in. These flies. We had to carry on. We had to carry on baking through these flies, landing on everything. We looked up at the ceiling and it was just humming. It was absolutely vile. They then had to send us home because they had to completely take everything out of the tent, get a man in. It was just so bad. Get a man in or a woman or whatever to clean it off before we could start again. <laughs> Basically, boiling, boiling, boiling. And the week that we had to fry cannoli, so we had, everyone had their deep fat fryers on. <laughs> it was a nightmare. You maintained a really nice relationship with a lot of them. Funny enough, Sandy messaged us all last week about something to do with the coronavirus. It was quite sweet. Well, we've messaged, and we, once this is all over, I mean, just before, well, about six months before the lockdown, I met up with Yanni and Liam, and Liam came back here, and we're sitting in the garden, we were having drinks together. The boys love him. Um, but when this is all over, we're going to meet up again. But, you know, we ask each other bakey questions, and we're all so different from such different walks of life at such different stages of our lives. You know, Liam's a baby, and then you've got Flo, who was a grandma, and it's, you know, and we're all so different, but... Even though we care about each other, we get on with our lives, you know. What's the entry process like? Is it quite rigorous? It is insanely ridiculous. First of all, they give you a, you have to do um, an application form that I think is about 20 pages long and send photographs and stuff. I think the point is they want to discourage anyone who's mucking about from trying to you know, to try and get on there. And then when, if you pass that stage where you've done this application form and sent photos of your bakes and then they call you and then you have a telephone interview. And after the telephone interview, I think you have another telephone interview and then they get you up there and then you have to take a bake and then you have to talk to the food team and then you have to talk and then you have to, at any point they could say, thank you, go home. And then they, you go through to the producer and then you spend 10 minutes with her, even though on camera, but I was with her for an hour so when I left that I thought oh this is good I had a good feeling but even after that then there's another one there's a massive technical challenge where 12 of you meet up in uh, some secret kitchen up in London where you do a challenge on camera with different sets of bakers though so I was with Sophie Fowler and James Hillary he was in my they were in my group too and you have to take stuff with you and you have to do the, the baking and then after that there's more phone interview, more phone interviews, and then there's a psychiatric interview. I'm surprised I passed that one, and also about all about social media and how you'll cope with that. And then after that, a couple more, inter- couple more phone interviews, and then you're in. Yeah, it's not easy. It's the hardest thing I've done in my life. Time investment, serious financial investment, emotional investment. It's a, like a full fortune to do it. Yeah, they give you a bit of money, but it costs a fortune to do it. I mean, you, you, they might give you a couple of hundred for ingredients, but that's the ingredients I was spending in a day. You yeah. know, and you, it's crazy. I'm talking about practicing. If you want to do well, you have to practice. Some people would rock up and just not practice, but you have to practice. Yeah. Wow, so it can be quite expensive. It was awesome, it was awesome though. Good. So a good experience all around. So Lottie, if you want to take up baking, there might be a place on Bake Off if you've got the drive and the energy. I've always quite enjoyed baking. My nana and my grandma have always done it with me. I always got to mix the bowl, lick the spoon, that sort of thing. I was absolutely terrified when I got on the show. I, I tried so hard to get on it for the first... So I applied one year, the year before, and I got in through to the telephone stage. And then that was it. So I basically handed my application, they gave me a phone call and I didn't get any further. 
that entire year, I did nothing but perfect every single area of my baking, everything. One week I did one month, I think it was a month of bread, a month of this, a month of that, until I just could do everything. And then I applied again. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah. you need to really want it. Thank you so, so much for your time, Stacey. I'm really conscious that we've taken a lot of it. Thank you so, so much for joining us and for this brilliant interview. I've really enjoyed it. And I think pre-Shavuot, um, everyone's going to really like to hear about sugar-free cheesecake. Take away a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to go and make mine. You've actually inspired me. I'm going to go and make mine now. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Thank you so much, Stacey. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you very much to everybody for listening to today's Jams radio show. Stay tuned for more shows coming your way. Jams radio is run by young Jewish student leaders and UJIA are proud to facilitate and support this programme. We are dedicated to bringing you a range of voices and guests to inform and entertain our listeners. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of UJIA or our partners.